Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Man, 2020, it's great. Merry Christmas, right? It's, it's good. So I want to talk to you guys for just a few moments about the idea of an approachable of an approachable king. Um, and because I think sometimes we kind of forget that, is that he is an approachable king. And so at most time, uh, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year for so many people. Uh, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We have family around us. We have the loved ones around us. We get to eat more than we probably care to admit. Uh, but it's just great, right? Christmas is the time of year where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, like you come to church, right? You you light candles, uh, you spill wax everywhere, right? Let's not burn down the church. It's a new facility. We don't want to do that. All right, we get to see family. We get to eat cookies. We get to drink eggnog. If you're into that, I think it's kind of gross, but whatever. Um, Right? We get to open presents. Come on, presents? Maybe not. Okay, whatever. Maybe some of those Christmas cards. You get some of those cheesy Christmas cards. No. Look, how many of you? How many you send Christmas cards every single year? You, four, four of us. Good job. Congratulations. You guys get trophies at the end of the day. How many of you have the intentions of sending a Christmas card every single year? Let's see those hands. Me too. I think Brittany and I have been married like uh, 13 years. 13 years. Man, look, I did it right for the first time ever. It's fine. We've been married for 13 years, and every year I'm like, man, we're going to send Christmas cards this year. Well, we didn't, so, you know. And it's not like, I mean, like 2020, we had no excuses. We had all the time in the world to send Christmas cards, yet we find ourselves not sending Christmas cards in this, in this moment. We always plan to, but we, we, never, we never do. But there's always different traditions. Everybody has a tradition this time of year, whether that's you're around certain family members, whether you do certain things, whether church is your tradition. And maybe tonight you're starting a new tradition of actually saying, hey, we want to be in church for Christmas. And so a lot of people have asked the question to me, like, so, so like, David, like, why do you do church on on Christmas Eve, and I said, well, well, why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we celebrate the birth of Jesus on, on the, like, right the day that he's born? So we celebrate the birth of our Savior, and so we stand in these moments, and we declare his goodness, and we declare his faithfulness in these moments, and these are the traditions that we, we establish we tell different stories. Maybe we open up the Bible and we read from Luke or we read from Matthew about the birth of Jesus to our families, right? But our heart tonight, and this is my heart tonight, is for all of us to do this, is for us to see ourselves in the Christmas story, to see yourself in the birth of Christ, the very first Christmas. In Luke 2, 4 through 12, it says this, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were, while they were there, they came time for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living, uh, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'll bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah 
the Lord. This is a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. The birth of Jesus, right? A virgin birth, nonetheless. If we're going to talk about the, the miraculous things of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas, the magic of Christmas is probably less about a guy coming down your chimney when you go to sleep and more about a virgin birth, right? I mean, it seems crazy, but it, but it is. And, and a lot of, think about the, what Mary had to go through, the ridicule of not only, being, not only being a teenager, but a pregnant teenager, and now she has to show up to her husband and say, look, I'm pregnant with the Son of God right? If there was one miracle, she was, it was a virgin birth. If it was a second miracle, it was homeboy believing her, right? Like, he's like, whoa, you say, what? I know how these things take place. This is not the reality. So the journey, then there's a journey to Bethlehem. So pristine, right? This is how we picture it. It's beautiful. She's riding on this camel. Okay, look, let's just put reality in perspective here. Look, we have two children. When my wife was nine months pregnant, like, this is what all I remember is going to Taco Bell at 3 a.m. to get some food. Like, she wasn't trying to go to Bethlehem on no, no camel, right? Like, this wasn't going to happen. She didn't want to go anywhere. She was miserable. I mean, it looked like she was carrying around basketballs and stuff, right? Like, it was, I love you. It's good. It's all good. But the reality is, is it wasn't this, this pristine limousine ride to Bethlehem. It was, it was a bumpy camel ride through the middle of the desert. And then they arrived to the end, or rather a stable, a manger. And it seems so cute, but it's a barn. There's no running water. There's no electricity. There's no epidural and not even a midwife to be found. And it's childbirth. It's, it's a messy situation, right? It's not, you would hope that the birth of the savior of the world would be birthed at least somewhere sanitary, but it's actually a, a trough is where the baby would be laid. It's messy. The manger scene, it wasn't cute. It's the most humbling way to honestly, to probably for a human to ever be born, but this is yet the king of kings born into poverty. See, Jesus was the unexpected king. He was the unexpected king, yet he was, was looked for by the Jewish people of the day, but yet he was the unexpected king. Sure, the people were expecting a savior, but they weren't expecting it this way. They weren't expecting it like this. And certainly 2,000 years later, we could look back and say the birth of Jesus doesn't, doesn't really fit the character of Jesus, right? We would think the king of kings should be born in a palace, we should think the king of the world should be, should be right, should be birthed in the, the best place ever, but yet he's birthed in a manger. It even seems so different from, from then and, and now, right? The time periods, everything, culture, everything has changed, the settings, the circumstances, and it looks really, really, really different than what we experience today. But Jesus came for people who were searching for a king. He came for people who needed hope. He came for people who were lost and broken. He came for the people in the middle of a political turmoil. He came to a society that was full of chaos. Now, when we think of the birth of Christ in those matters, it seems a lot more frequent to where we live today. He came to a scene that appeared completely different than today, but the people's hearts were the exact same. Yeah, everything looked different, the aesthetics were different, but the hearts of the people then and the hearts of the people today aren't much different. He came as a baby wrapped in cloth. He would even 
He would be everything that the world was waiting for, yet everything the world missed in the moment. He'd be the only thing the world would ever need, and yet he looked nothing like they thought he would look. The king of kings, the king Jesus, was one of us. He looked just like us. His birth was just like us. It was ordinary at best. He lived among us. He would suffer far worse than us. Think about that. He would, he would suffer far worse than anything that you've ever been through, anything that you've ever felt, any pain that's ever been inflicted on you. He would experience more. He would heal the sick, right? He would, he would open blinded eyes. He would heal a lame man, lowered through the roof by his friends. He would, he would do the, the, the craziest things in the world. He would, he would touch lepers. Think about this. These are the people that were outcast by society, that no one would go around, that no one would even be around, that they would literally have to walk through the cities and the towns screaming unclean, but yet Jesus went to them, and he not only went to them, but he touched them. This is the Savior of the world. This is the king that we look for. He lived among us, and he would suffer far more than we ever would. He was a king who walked with you, experiencing betrayal, knowing what temptation really was, the example of what unconditional love truly is. Jesus is an unexpected king because he knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to live your life. He knows what it's like to stand in difficult situations and circumstances. He knows what it's like to be tempted by the enemy, and he, but yet he's a good king because he overcomes those things. See, every king in history couldn't relate to him. They couldn't relate to the commoner. They couldn't re relate to the regular person of the day. See, all the kings and the king of kings, right? He was born like us so he could relate to us. He lived a life like us so he could look at us and say, look, I've been there then you can get through this. Jesus didn't come how we expected him. He didn't come like a normal king, but he came as a king so we could be approachable. Jesus is the approachable king. There's been times I've been, people have said to me that I'm not very approachable. I think you're lying. I think I feel like I'm super approachable. I feel like I'm really charismatic and I like to have fun so I can be approachable, <laughs> right? And the last thing I want to be is an unapproachable pastor, Right? Those are the worst, right? No offense to those guys. I love them. I have several of them that are friends of mine. Anyways, anyways, yeah, keep going. But in those days, in those days, a king would intentionally be unapproachable. Go away from me. Get away from me. I'll live my life differently. No common person would even be allowed to be in the same room as the king. And if you approach the king uninvited, it would obviously end with your life. If you were allowed to approach the king, you would bow and you would speak low and you would speak in fear and you would do everything the king would ask you to do and the fate of your life would be hanging on every word the king would say. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, he says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we, that we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, right? Approach God's grace with throne with grace with confidence. That's what we're doing. We're approaching with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The concept of a 
of approachable king, even of this day, is a paradigm shift that would take place in the minds. And I think, honestly, it needs to take place within our own hearts. There has to be a paradigm shift that we can say that I can go to God when I'm hurting, that I can go to God when I have questions, that I can go to God when I'm in pain, that I don't have to have a mediator, that I don't have to wait till I, I don't have to wait till a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Thursday Christmas Eve special night. Like I can go to God anytime that I want. He is an approachable king. Jesus had to live among us. He had to suffer so we didn't have to. He had to die for our eternity. That's an approachable king. He embraces the sinner, that the sinner may have a better life. He was a king that presented himself approachable to all people. And he wasn't just approachable 2,000 years ago. He's approachable today. And we can approach him with confidence because he has already paid the price for our sins. He already extended grace. Every interaction with the gospel represents uh, one of you to one of you in this room. If you have received Christ in your life, if you have asked Jesus to come into your life and to be the king of your life, the Lord of your life, then guess what? You have had an encounter with an approachable king. You have had an encounter with the Savior God. You have had an encounter with Jesus. And so these moments, these Christmas moments should feel special. You know, what's funny is that we always read the, the, the stories in the Bible and we always place ourselves in the hero role, right? Like, I'm the hero. Like, I'm David slinging my stone. No, you're not. You're Israel scared on the hill, right? That's who you are. Jesus, in that story, David is Jesus. He's representing somebody who's going before us, fighting the battles for us. Jesus is always our hero. It is never us. But we always have to look at him to be the hero. We are the woman at the well. We are the sick. We are the dead. We are the poor. We are the wealthy. We are the ones that were disappointed in him. We are the outcasts. We are the proud. We are the ones full of faith. And yet we are the ones with no faith at all. You're in the story. You're the lonely, you're the sick, you're the sinner, you're the self-righteous. There are all of us woven in and out of the life of Jesus. Whether you find yourself in the role of, of a disciple and you're trying to be your best, but oftentimes, oftentimes when I read the stories of the disciple, I'm like, oh, I wish I could be like Luke, or I wish I could be like them, or I wish I could be like him. But oftentimes when I read the stories, when I read the Gospels, I find myself looking like Peter, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm with you till the end. And then when the moment of seriousness comes, I find myself denying him. I find myself saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't associate with him. I don't know him. It'll cost me too much if I, if I say I know him, if I live for him. Those women in the scripture, those people in scripture are the failures, the ones who always find fault. Those are us. But every stripe on Jesus' back was for us. Every nail Every lashing was for us, pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Jesus was the God that became like you, not to punish you, but to give you new life, to give you a new beginning. Not to rub your nose in your past and say, I can't believe you did that, but to say, hey, I want to lift the head of discouraged. I want to open the blinded eyes. I want you to see like you've never seen before.
See, maybe this holiday season, it's tough for you. Maybe you've been lonely, maybe you've been hurting, maybe you've even been sick. Remember when I talked about the leper earlier? That could be you. You say, well, look, I'm not physically sick. I don't have anything physically going on in my life. Maybe Jesus still wants to come to you and touch you. Maybe you're the woman in scripture who has an issue of blood. For years, you've been hurting. For years, you just, you just can't get past this thing that's in your life. For years, it's been holding you back. It's been holding you back. But in this moment, in this season, for whatever reason, you feel like you have to push yourself through the crowd just so you could touch them. See, it was, it was her faith to push through. The, the crowd wasn't letting her through. They knew who she was. They knew she had issues. But it was her faith that said, no, no, no. I have to get close to him. I have to. And she touches the hem of his garment, is what scripture says, and she becomes whole. See, sometimes it takes us pushing through the crowd just a little bit to reach him. Maybe, the, maybe your crowd isn't a physical person or a physical crowd, but maybe your crowd is some pride. Maybe, you're, maybe, you're, maybe your crowd is your insecurity. Of what will people think? Maybe your crowd could be anything for you. It could be so many different things and we can stand and we can list a huge list tonight of what they could be. But the reality is that Jesus has come for you. Maybe you're, maybe you're Zacchaeus in scripture tonight. Maybe you're, you're just waiting to see a glimpse of him. And you, you're a tax collector, right? You've ripped people off. You've done some bad things in your life, but Jesus stops and he says, I see you. Not only do I see you, but I want to come to your house. I want to spend time with you. I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. I want to talk with you about life. See, that's the approachable king that we get to experience in the Christmas story. That's what makes Christmas so important. Look, I, I love the gift aspect. I love all of these things. But what makes Christmas so important is that it's Christ-centered, that it's all about him. It's about him being born into this world, that he came in an unlikely situation and circumstance, but it was what made him approachable. It's what made all of us say, no matter, no matter where I find myself in life, whether I'm strung out and I'm on drugs, whether I'm broken and I lost my job, whether I'm sick and I have a, a disease that'll take my life, whether I'm, I'm just riding the fence in this whole thing, it doesn't matter. He says, look, I'm an approachable king and I want you to come to me. I want your life to be restored. I want your life to be better. I want you to be free from those things. I want you to walk in purpose. I want you to have passion. I want you to have zeal and I want to do those things for you. But first you have to take a step or cross the line of faith to say, you know what? I'm not going to teeter-totter on this thing. I'm all in. I love you. I'm following you. You're my king. You're my God. You're my savior. And that's what we do in this season. We celebrate him. We celebrate what he's done in the past. We worship for what he will do in the future. And we stand in these moments in awe and amazement of the faithfulness in God that is on all of us. It's Jesus. It's our savior. He's not sitting in a high place today. He is here. He has been pursuing you, but he's patiently waiting on you. Emmanuel means God with us. Tonight he's with us. He's with you. No matter where you go, no matter where you find yourself, he'll always be with you. He's your approachable king tonight.
Let's pray. Jesus, today we love you. God, I thank you for being an approachable king. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for everything that you've done in my life, the way you've set me free, the way you've changed me, the way you've challenged me, the way you continue to change me each and every day. And God, I pray for every person in here tonight. No matter where they find themselves in this journey, in this walk, if they find you as an unapproachable king, God, I pray that you would hit the reset button in their lives, the reset button in their minds to where they can understand that they can approach you. They can come to you in confidence and knowing that you will save them, that you will rescue them, that you will be their prince of peace. And God, I pray and believe that you will do just that in their lives. With every head, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just say a few things here. Jesus' death on the cross was a big deal. It's a big deal for all of us. It means you are able from that moment to have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. And maybe today you've never made the decision to follow or surrender your life to him, but today you want to make that decision. You're tired of living in sin. You're tired of the shame. You're tired of the guilt of sin. And you're ready to embrace the new life of Christ. That's you if you're like, I'm ready to embrace this new life with Christ. I'm tired of the past. I'm ready for this. That's you, I just want you to raise your hand up. Just put it up, put it right back down. I wanna pray for you. Thank you. And let's just pray all of, all of us together, pray this prayer out loud together. Today, I commit my life to you, Jesus. I take a step towards you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Teach me to live a new life, to follow you, to find you. Jesus, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Chickasha. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.